Our good friends at Johnny O welcome you to this episode. And if you've listened to Rich Take on Sports, then you know two things are important. Sharing the impact of sports in people's lives and the Johnny O clothing brand, blending those East Coast classic styles with a SoCal vibe. I've been wearing Johnny O for several years, and now you can as well with 20% off your first order by using the promo code ARICHTAKE at johnny-o.com. Live your best life with the Johnny O style and use promo code ARICHTAKE at johnny-o.com for 20% off your first order. Exploring the impact of sports. Welcome Welcome to Rich Take on Sports, the sports podcast with life. Having conversations and hearing personal stories from those who have been impacted, built, and inspired by the role of sports in their lives. Here's your host, Richmond Weaver. This is episode 152. Thanks for being an investor by investing your time to listen. One thing's certain in life is that we'll all face some type of setbacks, whether they're personal or even in our career. And how we dwell on those setbacks or not dwell also impacts not only the here and now, but what the future might hold. And Brighton Constantine has faced some of those setbacks, but it's the understanding of keeping a long-term vision as his foundation that has helped him move forward. A four-star recruit at linebacker and the 3A Player of the Year in Louisiana, Brighton signed with Clemson University as part of the 2019 football recruiting class and was ready to be the next impact player for the Tigers, but three ACL surgeries would force him to reevaluate his future as he ultimately decided to give up playing the game that he loved. Our conversation with Brighton Constantine. Brighton, I appreciate you jumping on the podcast. It's been a while. We've been talking about this for a long time. Really long time. Finally made it happen. Yes, sir. Well, obviously, a pandemic got in the way a little bit. Very true. <laughs> you know, That's from that perspective. Yeah. Uh, so, in, interestingly enough, just how you've been able to live in a college environment pre-pandemic and then during the pandemic, mm-hmm. what were the differences in terms of, obviously, how classes were affected, but just overall socially and everything goes, college is about being social and that had to have an impact, not having the same type of social interaction that you normally would. So I was in college for, I was enrolled for a semester and then COVID hit and I went all the way back home. I was home from March until June 1st. We had the report back for workouts. So I got back and you know, everything was normal from a football aspect, mask and gloves and everything. That was different. But socially on the football team, you know, everything was still the same. I was going through rehab. I was still working out with them. I was doing everything. But um, whenever the semester hit, everything changed. Classes were online. You know, nobody was going out. All the bars were closed. Downtown was closed. Restaurants were closed. You know, there wasn't much you could do. And that took a toll on a lot of people. And I was one of them. I my whole entire college experience has changed. I'm, I'm you a, seem like a social person. Yeah. That you need to be around people. Right. That you get energized by being around people. Is that true? That That is how I used to be. I, like <laughs> I said, COVID hit, and I love being around people. I love, you know, talking to people and seeing where they came from, seeing their point of view on anything that's going on in the world. And ever since COVID hit, I've, I've you know, gone out a few times, you know, did this, but... I've been inside my house playing Xbox more than ever that I've done in my whole entire life. And not because I don't want to be sociable or not because I don't want to go talk to people, but COVID hit and I realized like, there's no reason to really go do anything. I couldn't do anything. And I got so used to sitting inside and staying to myself and just focusing on myself, which helped in, um, in different aspects. But it was a, it was good sitting inside. What, do, what different aspects? Like I was able to focus on myself more. Mm-hmm. You know, whenever before COVID, I was always out ripping and running and 
just doing college, you know, college things. And now I was able to sit inside and focus on myself and focus on really what's important. And instead of focusing on these four years of my life, I was able to really sit back and think of the next 40. And that's a big decision. So. Yeah, of course. Uh, and obviously you have time to right. do that. So what did you feel that you figured out? What did you find that was important to you? Well, my injury played a big role in that. I mean, yeah, and walk through that injury, because I don't know if everybody knows just the, the true yeah. aspect of the journey with that injury. Yeah, so 2019, I was graduating high school, but I still played basketball. Basketball, I, I love basketball. So I played on my high school team, and it was senior night. And I loved, you know, making the big plays and, you know, just being that athlete on the floor, just like everybody does. And so we had a fast break. Uh, I got an alley thrown off the backboard to me and I went up to go get it and there was somebody below me so I got scared and I jumped off of one leg and I usually jump off of two and I came back down I landed on the same leg I jumped off of and it just went out and I didn't know what it was at the time my trainer didn't know what it was but right when it happened the the whole gym just went silent did you hit the floor yeah no 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 so I actually right when I did it I hobbled over to the bleachers I was right behind the goal and I held onto the bleachers for about two seconds, and I tried to turn around to get back on defense. But everybody I, knew something was wrong. Well, nobody knew until I hit the ground. So I tried to get back on defense, and I took one step and hit the ground. And then hit the ground. The whole gym was silent, and you could just hear the anger and the words that were coming out of my mouth were just not, not okay. I was banging <laughs> the floor, just, and. Um, so you realized something was. I knew something was wrong, but I had absolutely no clue. ACL was the last thing that was in my mind. I was like, dang, maybe I, I hyperextended my knee really bad. You know, maybe I, I don't know what I did. And um, so I ended up getting carried off the floor. Did you make the dunk? For the rest of the night. No. You missed it? Yeah. That's the really bad part. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, I don't mean to laugh. I'm no, no, no. I'm, I laugh yeah. about it all the time. Because uh, I get that question more than anything. They're like, well, did you make it? No, <laughs> sadly enough. Because you jumped off of one leg. Yeah, I, I, I always jump off of two because that's like the safer way. And I, I get higher jumping off of like two legs. And so I jumped off of one and just didn't end up, didn't end up the way I wanted it to. And um, I didn't know it was my ACL for about another two weeks. And so I had a brace on. Um, Did it take you that long to go see a doctor? Or no, I went, you had seen the doctor? I went to go see a waiting. doctor, but my knee was so swollen. Yeah, they couldn't do an MRI. Yeah, so I had to get my knee drained. Worst experience of my life just watching that six-inch needle go in and look at all that blood get drawn. But I'm from Louisiana, so, you know, we have parades and everything down there. So I was, I was going to parades. I had a brace on my knee. I was feeling fine because the pain eventually went away. So after those two weeks were up, I got an MRI, and it was ACL and meniscus. And I was like, I, my dreams were shattered, but I realized I was like, a lot of people overcome this. So, yeah, especially now. I mean, the, yeah, the, the technology and everything that we have technology today. Yeah. and rehab. I mean, it's tremendous what right. some of these uh, athletes are able to do. And then you eventually went through it. Yeah, you rehabbed and and got back. Now, had you already committed to Clemson during that time? Yes, I was already committed. I committed my junior year. Actually, I committed the. I can't remember the exact date I committed, but I know I committed before my senior year of high school because I wanted my senior year just to just to focus on getting ready. Um, I was this close to, this close to transferring to IMG. Never would have played basketball, never would have done anything. Um, there was a few reasons why I didn't transfer. My parents, I mean, my mom and my little brother would never be able to watch me play on Friday again. And that was really one thing that just took a toll on me. I was also in a relationship in high school, so I didn't want to have football take something, you know, away from that. Um, just respect to the other person. I'm not going to let, you know. And so there was just a few reasons why I didn't transfer to IMG. And, but now since I look back on it, I'm like, wow, I really wish I would have. You think so? Yeah. Yeah. But there's no guarantee that you don't go to IMG and have an injury there. And you're completely right. And not a lot of people get the opportunity. Just like a lot of people don't get the opportunity to go to Clemson, a lot of people don't get the opportunity to go to IMG. And I had a smooth ride going straight, straight there, and I just turned it down. And I look back and I'm like, I mean, at the same time, I don't regret it 
because my high school experience was great. You know, I, I still got to go to the prom. I got to do everything that I wanted to do. And um, but from a football aspect, I do regret not going to IMG. Now, what do you think it would have meant going to IMG from a football perspective? Just outside of obviously, then maybe you don't get hurt yeah. in the basketball game and then it doesn't carry over into this cascade right. of multiple injuries. Yeah, so a big thing for me was trying to graduate high school early and so I can get to college early and get prepared and study and, you know, get ready to get on the field. And IMG was offering me that opportunity. If I went there, I was graduating in December, which means I would be at Clemson in January, right after the national championship. And my high school didn't allow that opportunity. Uh, a lot of people on my team that went to go play across the country, none of us got to graduate early. That's why uh, Dylan Moses, for example, mm -hmm. I went to the same high school as him. Yeah. And that's why he transferred. He went to IMG because he wanted to leave early, get to Bama early and, you know, be able to. Yeah. Was there any pressure from Clemson coaches to mm -mm. go to IMG Absolutely so you could not. enroll early? No, there was no. Um, I remember bringing it up to Coach V or Coach Sweeney, but no, there was no pressure on any side. You know, like they leave. They want you to make decisions for yourself. Because they know that you're grown enough and old enough to do it. So they're not going to force you into doing anything. But but they would have loved to have you early. Yeah, I mean, a lot of <laughs> mo most colleges would love to have a kid early. and uh, But they knew my, my high school didn't offer that. And uh, they didn't mind. And so I just stayed with it. And uh, I'm here now. So Well, obviously, you can't rewrite history. Right. I mean, it is what it is from that perspective. So I guess when you talk about how you're life would have been different if you go to IMG and obviously from a football perspective. So was there this big dream of obviously playing on Saturdays in big stadiums, that type of thing, but was there also that you feel like your football career got cut short of what you wanted to do and was that NFL or what was the the mindset as your becoming a really good player in middle school, high school. Yeah, uh, I love that topic because at a very, very young age, I did want to go to the NFL. You know, everybody wants to go to the NFL. Yeah, it's the ultimate, right? Yeah, <laughs> whenever you're 10, 11, 12, 13, you, that's what you want to go to. You know, if you play football, you want to go to the NFL. And as I grew older, um, like I said, I got, that, I got hurt that one time, went through therapy, did everything. And I'm like, okay, you know, I'm still looking forward to playing on Saturdays. I'm ready. Like, I can't wait. Like, I'm playing at, you know, in reality, the best school in the country. And uh, I want to get out there and I want to go play and I want to just do everything. I want to live up to my expectation of a football player. And it was getting, it was getting really close. I was doing rehab. I was recovering my freshman year. It was the week of Texas A&M. I, I was already redshirted because I, I got hurt. I wasn't expecting to play or, you know, step foot on the field my freshman year. Uh, Isaiah Simmons is in front of me, so I'm, I'm just not. And it's the week of Texas A&M. It's my first day back at practice. I'm ready, rock and roll, you know, flying around during the drills, everything. And we do a block shed drill, and it happens again just like that. I get off the block, take a step, gone. I knew exactly what happened. And it was, it was worse pain than the first one. Got my helmet, threw it against the wall. It was just anger and frustration. Because I passed every test to be able to go back out, out there on the field. Yeah, so you had been cleared. Every strength test, everything I passed. And it, it, it was, you know, it, it wasn't anybody's fault. Like, nobody could have done anything different or better to prevent me from getting hurt again. It just happened again. And that's just... That's just what it was. And, it, I mean, it sucked, but that's just what the reality was. What was the coaching staff? How were they reacting? I mean, Coach V was devastated because I was in his drill. And um, he ran over to me, and, you know, I'm already in tears, and it's five seconds. I'm already in tears, and he's trying to comfort me and maybe tell me it's like some scar tissue and this, that, whatever. And I already knew what it was. Yeah, did you but, tell you different? Yeah, I mean, he props to him because he comforted me, ran over to me, looked over me, trying to talk to me and calm me down. But there's only so much you can do when I already knew what the deal was. But the rest of the practice, I just sat there on the ground, legs out, finally had to get up and walk off after practice and go get another MRI. But it was... 
How long were you sitting there on the practice field before you got up? It's all like a blur. Mm. Yeah, it's probably, I mean, it was at the beginning of practice. So you know how long our practices are. But I, I don't think I stayed until the very end. I stayed for a while, so probably about another 45 minutes Were the hour. tears from pain or tears of sadness knowing that, oh, my goodness, once again? Initially, it was from the pain. And, yeah, right when it happened, I knew it happened, and I was like, oh, my gosh, like, this hurts. Because you can't do anything. It, it's, really, it's a really, really weird feeling. Like, you don't have, like, control over it. Like, you can feel it. But whenever you walk, um, you'll get caught. Like your leg will get caught. It'll like, it'll like jerk you a little bit. It's just a really weird feeling. So it was pain initially because then I stood up and all the blood just rushed right to it. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like this is terrible. And then the, most of the tears were from disappointment yeah. because I knew not only was I going to have to wait another seven, eight months, I knew what I was about to have to go through again. And it is number one, prehab, which is rehab before the surgery. Then I have to get surgery, which is fun because, you know, you get all the medicine, you feel great. <laughs> you feel wonderful, right? You know, ever get your wisdom teeth taken out? Everybody feels oh, yes. wonderful. But after, after that, it is, it's an uphill battle. It's hard work. And it's a really, 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 my first surgery, I, um, I was back home, and then I had to come to Clemson. So after my first surgery, half of my rehab was in Baton Rouge, and half of my rehab was in Clemson because I had the report here. So my second one, all of my rehab was getting done here, and it was it was brutal, you know, because they they want to get me back on the field just as bad as I want to. So the first week, they're already, you know, well, first few days, they're already yeah, they're moving, they're already around. bending it, they're already moving it, and um, the difference was. After my second surgery, it, I didn't have meniscus, so I was able to walk and put as much pressure on it as I want. No matter how much pain I was in, I was able to walk with my straight brace and put as much pressure on. Because the first time, I was on crutches for six weeks because I couldn't mess up the stitches that were from my meniscus. And it was an uphill battle that second time, and it was not fun. It was the darkest time that I've ever been in in my whole entire life. Because after that second one, I was like... And when you say dark, what do you mean? Dark? I was so, so, like, I w it was so alone because there's nothing nobody else can do to help you. And I knew it happened the first time, and I was okay. Like, people get hurt all the time. You know, you overcome it. Then that second one happened, and I'm like, I'm in college. I'm not back home where my mom could bring me food or this. I would, they flew up for my surgery and took care of me for a few days, but... Yeah, you don't have mom around. I can't. That's different. I had, you got to wear slides, uh, slippers for about a month. Can't get, you can't bend down and tie your shoes. Um, like if you want to use the bathroom, like your, your leg is out like this. <laughs> and no, it's brutal. It is really, there's just little things inside of, besides the pain aspect. Yeah, I mean, it's the things in life that you yeah. take for granted. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know, all it, of a sudden. That's exactly what I tell people. You're traditional mobility and you, ability you lose what you can do on a daily basis I, like you can't i was on painkillers so painkillers you know they stop up your insides so they stop you from using the bathroom like like a lot of just little things i i couldn't even sleep you have to sleep on your back with your legs straight propped up on like a few pillows and i don't know if you've ever tried to sleep on your back for the whole entire night yeah, with, I'm not one, with one leg up in the air no but it, is, it, it will drive you insane. Like just looking up like this, one leg in the air, it's the most uncomfortable I've ever been. So what'd you do to finally push through those type of challenges to continue to have the motivation that I'm coming back? Yeah, it, it was just looking at my teammates and knowing that I'm here for the same reason they are. I'm like, he got recruited just like I did. You know, like, like, look at Isaiah. Isaiah's playing. Isaiah got recruited just like I did. Everybody that I was surrounded by were great athletes, and they went through the same process I did. They just didn't get hurt. And some people did, and they overcame it. And um, it was just, just looking around and talking to my family, I, I couldn't stop. Even if I wanted to, I had to keep going. It was way too early for me. I was only there for... 
not even four months and it tore it again. So I'm like, it's way too early for me to give up, you know? So I kept going, kept pushing. What drew you to Clemson in the first place? Of all the schools that were recruiting you, what was it about? Little old Clemson and Clemson, Little South old Clemson Carolina. Is right. You know, whenever somebody meets somebody like in their life and you're like, it's just something about them. Like it's something different. Like it's either how they hold themselves. It's either, it's just little things that you can just tell that somebody's different. And I could just tell just by coming, I went on, I don't know how many visits I took here. It was either two or three. One of them was my official. Um, and I was ready to commit after I came to the spring game. Uh, my junior year, I was, or yeah, my junior year of high school, I was ready. I was like, mom, like, I was like, I'm ready. <laughs> yeah. You know, and she, she didn't yeah, let what me. What did mom say? Yeah, no, she, she wouldn't. Oh, no, no, no. I think I, I wanted to commit after, yeah, I wanted to commit after the spring game. She wouldn't let me. She wouldn't, she wanted me to wait. She wanted me to just hold it out, this, that, whatever, go take some other visits. Because, you know, here, um, all respect to Coach Sweeney, and I love it. I love the rule that he has. Whenever you're committed, it's like a marriage. You know, you're not allowed to you're not go. You're go take other visits. Exactly, exactly, and I love that, and I was all for that. And I, and I didn't even commit here, but I didn't go take visits anywhere else. I didn't do anything because I knew what I wanted, and I was just waiting to strike that opportunity. Do you think you're in the minority in terms of that you love that aspect of that, that rule uh, and I don't know if rule is the right word, Yeah, but, but, the, the, but the I know standard. what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. The, the, that, that is the standard. Because I've heard some people talk about, oh, that's just not practical right. in today's recruiting world. But I do feel there's an aspect, if you're committing, you're committing. Yeah, that, that's exactly it, what it is. Right, go take your visits before yeah, and, and the then people, commit. The people that think that that rule is out of place, not a rule, but a standard. Yes. If they think that's out of place or not okay, then I don't, I don't know what to tell you, but, yeah. it, but you were comfortable with it's it. It's really self-explanatory. Yeah, I was, I was so comfortable with it because I knew what I wanted. The people that want to go take other visits, but they want to commit here, they don't know what they truly want. And I mean, that's just what it was. Cause if I would have committed here and take, taken visits to other places, I don't know what I truly want. I can say that I'm committed there and I want to go there as much as I want. But deep down inside, I don't know what I really Agreed. want. Because I'm still going across the country. But it, it was fine with me. I yeah. So, But your mom was saying, hey, slow down, don't commit just yet. Yeah, my, oh, my mom <laughs> loved it. My whole entire family loved it. I took my uncle, my aunt, my little brother, my little cousin that's also my brother's age. Everybody came up here, and they absolutely loved it. There was not one bad report ever, ever. And uh, they just they loved it, but they just so wanted were me you, to wait. What about any other schools that you were at least very interested in? Yeah, so if I did not come here, I was either going to the University of Florida, Auburn, or Arizona State. Okay, so no staying home. Oh, no. I, I didn't even get an offer from LSU. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So they were, they were missing out then, right? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but, but no, I, I, didn't, I didn't want to stay home. I wanted to just leave and... Just go be independent. Yeah, explore something new. It's a new yeah. chapter. You know, all, all of that. I, I completely understand that yes, from that perspective. So what was your first interaction with Clemson then? Who was the first one to reach out to you? I will never forget it. It was, it was Coach V. And uh, at the very beginning of my recruiting um, cycle, I guess, just when everything started taking off, I was always, 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 and it never failed. I was in the gym every single time I got an offer. It was like my first 10. I was always in the gym. So I made sure I kept going back to the gym. <laughs> I was like, I'm going. I was like, That's I'm the routine. I was like, I'm, good going, charm. I'm going to the gym every single day. <laughs> and so I was actually at um, Snap Fitness, just like a little, a little workout place right in front of my neighborhood. And I was in there. I got a notification on Twitter. And I was like, I was like, who is Brent Venables? And I click his name. And I was like, oh. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was like Clemson defensive coordinator. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And um, following him back, messaged him. And, um, you know, I was probably like, what's up, coach? You know, this, I saw you follow me, anything. So he ended up coming. He actually, I didn't even know about it. So this is what uh, a lot of people don't know, but this is what it was crazy. Um, Christian Harris, he plays linebacker at uh, Alabama right now. He starts. And that was our cornerback in high school. And so he drew so much attention to the school. 
we had a lot of players that drew attention. Me, Christian, um, Jordan Clark at Arizona State. We just uh, had a lot of people that would have coaches coming in. And Coach V actually came one day to our school, but I left early that day because it was, it was starting to snow. And I didn't want to get stuck like on the way home because I lived 30 minutes away. Snowing in Louisiana? Yeah, it, it, <laughs> okay. was, it was supposed to. So I had an excuse to leave. Okay. So I left. I called my mom. I was like, hey, mom, I'm leaving. I'm coming home just in case. I don't want to drive 30 minutes back home. So I left. And he actually initially came there for Christian. And after that day, my defensive coordinator from my high school ended up showing him my film and just telling him about me and showing him my grades and doing everything. And after that, I became his recruit. And I didn't even know about it. And so he ended up coming back because I wasn't at school that day. So he ended up coming back and visiting me. Uh, it was really soon, like probably a few days later. Came back and visited me and I'm trying to figure out when he officially, he didn't, I, I didn't get an offer then because it was, he came on the same day as um, Nick Saban was there, Kirby Smart was there, Jeremy Pruitt, Coach O, everybody was there the same day. And I was just talking to him. I didn't talk to anybody else whole entire day. Because I knew, I was like, even though I don't have an offer, like, this is what I'm going to go pursue. And this is what I want. And How did you know that Clemson was what you wanted? Because after he hit me up, or after I saw that he followed me on Twitter, I started doing my research. And I was like, I didn't even know where Clemson was. I had absolutely no clue in the <laughs> yeah, world. Yeah, that's, that's a common theme with a lot of people. <laughs> they don't know had, where it is. I had absolutely no clue in the world. And I looked it up, and I saw everything that they were doing. I figured out, I knew who Coach Sweeney was, only because, I mean, everybody did. So I looked it up, started doing my research, and I just fell in love with it. And I was like, I think this is what I want. Yeah, that's that's pretty rare to, oh, yeah, if you need to. No, you're good. Yeah, that's pretty rare to find something that that quick. Oh, it was But fast. you knew. Yeah. From that moment on, I was full force Clemson, 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 Clemson. And nothing stopped me. I was even, I was in basketball season and I would be going to practice and I would be talking to my friends. I'm like, I was like, hey, if Clemson offers me, like I'm committing. Cause I would have football coaches be at my basketball practice. Just like, you know, just. Oh yeah, of course. And I was like, if Clemson offered, there was one guy, he was our manager. He never thought Clemson was gonna offer me, ever. <laughs> he was like, he was like, no way, your grades aren't good enough, blah, 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 blah. I was like, okay. I was like, but mark my word. I was like, if they offer me, I'm going. So they ended up offering me, and I went. All right, and so now you're, you've hit that, that wall with the second surgery, hmm. and then it's the rehab process all over again. You go through that. How are you feeling at that point after the, the rehab process? So after the second one, I went in to the third, like going in just to my um, – it's really, it was really my third ACL, not surgery, but third ACL I had yeah. in my knee. So going into that, after the second surgery, I was like, if this happens again, I was like, I'm done. I cannot. You'd already told yourself that. I already told myself, I said, if this happens again, there's no way that I can, that I can keep continuing and putting myself through like the darkest time of my life. Like I, I want to be able to do normal people things. And it really opened my eyes one day because it was raining outside and we were just going to a restaurant. I can't run to get into the restaurant. I have to walk and take every single raindrop <laughs> on my body getting into the restaurant. And it's just little things like that that would continuously open my eyes and make me realize that we're going to do this and we're going to give it our all. But if it does happen again, then I can't. Were you worried that... It was going to happen. I mean, was that always just like in the back of your mind? It was never in the back of my mind because I knew that I was doing the right thing. I was going to therapy. I was doing everything I needed to do to get back on the field. And I didn't have a worry that it was going to happen again because if you don't go full speed, then that's how you're going to get hurt. Agreed. Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't scared. I never second guessed myself, did anything. And but then it happens again. Happens again. But it's not on the football field. No, it is. It is on the football field. It's again. on. We, we lose to LSU in the championship, come back, have a few weeks off, and then in January we're hopping into mat drills, which is, you know, the week of just constant. Well, people talk about mat drills. 
yeah. all the time. So I never even had to experience a full mat drill. This is your first time. Yeah, but I, and I couldn't, I wasn't cleared to do every single drill. So that's why, I, you know, I wouldn't worry. I would, I would run around the field. I would run hundreds. I would do what I had to do to stay in shape. And I would do a few different drills. And that's just, that's just what it was. And so the, dr- the drills that I was cleared for, I would be doing them and everything was going fine. I did them for, you know, days straight. And one day I was just, I was doing a drill and I opened up, I got on a cone and I opened up like I was doing, it wasn't a speed turn. It was just like, I opened up and get to the other side of the field and I planted and it was like, it was just a little pop. And I was like, I was like, okay, you know, but I stopped. I didn't go any further. I stopped right then and there. And I was like, okay, like I felt something pop. You know, that's kind of scary. So um, I but it told, wasn't the same type of it wasn't the feeling same feeling. As the first it was not two. the same feeling because I didn't I didn't fall down. I didn't do anything. Like I, just, I felt it. And I was like ah, oh. I was like something's not right. So I told um, Coach V. I was like, hey, like I got to go talk to Danny. You know, like I got to go tell him what just happened. So I eventually I went over there, and that's Danny Poole. The yeah, Danny Poole, yeah, trainer. Yeah, and you know me, I don't feel anything that's too terribly wrong with my with my knee. You know, I might think it's just like some small, like some scar tissue. This, that, whatever. So for the rest of the time that they're doing mat drills, I'm still running around the field because I'm not doing any more drills because, you know, we're just being um, cautious at this point. So I'm just running around the field um, what I was doing and everything was fine. And as I'm running around the field, um, you know, they finish through the lines. Got to finish through the lines, got to finish the drill. So I'm running around the field and they're finishing through the line and I have to jump out of the way so he doesn't run into me. And I don't get in trouble for interfering with the drill. I jump out of the way and I feel it pop again. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it still doesn't, like I still didn't fall down or like do anything. And I was like, bro, what is going on? So I went back over to Danny. I was like, hey, I was like, it just, it just popped again, you know? And at that point I stopped because I mean, there was nothing, I didn't tell him anything was wrong. Like I, I just felt something and I wasn't in pain. I wasn't doing anything. And then I ended up getting a MRI either that night or the next day. And my ACL was completely shattered, mm. like worse than the first two times. And didn't feel like it. That's crazy. It was gone. Like no, nothing was attached. It was all gone. So when you heard that news, I mean, were you shocked? I Knowing laughed. that it was completely different feeling. Um, I laughed, actually. Yeah, yeah I laughed. Like a sarcastic was, laugh, like no, what it was in the like hell like like, like how I'm laughing right now, like I'm just being for <laughs> like real. It was just comical, like yeah, no, oh like, my gosh, are you kidding me? Yeah, like here it, we are. I again. wasn't being sarcastic or like I wasn't mad or frustrated because I tore it in. We played whenever we were about to play Texas A&M, uh, September, I guess, and then I tore it again in January. So it was already about six months, you know, six seven months or about six months, and. I'm sitting on, um, I go get my MRI. Next day I come back, I'm sitting on the table and um, I forgot who broke the news to me. It was probably Dr. Martin, our doctor. And um, I've been in that room too many times. And uh, I can tell by people's facial expressions what the deal. So before I even go and know what I did, I'm already looking around at all the other trainers and I'm like, I'm like, I already know what it is. I mean, you don't even have to you tell had me. You a feeling? Yeah, yeah I was like, you don't even. Based on their reaction. Because if it wasn't anything, I would have gotten a text message or be like, mm-hmm. hey, you know, I wouldn't have gotten called in for, you know, you don't get called in by your boss because you did something good. You get called in by your boss because you're about <laughs> to get fired or you're about to get cut. And I already knew that. And so I, I, I go in with the best mentality I possibly can. And he was like, tore it again. He was like, it was completely shattered. I was like, damn. So it's time for another surgery. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get another surgery like ASAP, probably like four days after. And it was a really, really, really good surgery. I got, I mean, it wasn't a good experience for me. It was the worst surgery I've ever had, but it was worth it. Yeah, but what they did was yeah. good. And so uh, my mom and my little brother and my stepdad all flew up. And so... The surgery actually consisted of, I don't know if you can tell, but this was my first surgery. They mm-hmm. took it from my hamstring. My second surgery was from my patella, which is that nasty scar you see on a lot of people. And then the third surgery, uh, he took it from my quad, but he also took extra, 
I'm not a doctor, but extra tendons and things of that nature and um, inserted an internal brace on the side. So my knee was like in a seatbelt. So that's a stability. Yeah, so I got an ACL and I got an internal brace and there was no doubt in his mind that I could go play again. It was nobody's decision except mine to not go play. He, he was all for it, the trainers were all for it. The only thing was if I got hurt again, I can throw recreational sports out the window for the rest of my life, playing with my kids, running around the yard, all of that is gone if I get hurt again. So in my eyes, like that's, that's kind of selfish of me. If I go out and get hurt again, and I can't go play football with my kids in the backyard, I have to tell them why. You know, and, and it, was really, it was really a 40 year decision. And I didn't, I still went through rehab and I was doing everything, but I didn't stop until fall camp. So I went all the way from, I had surgery in, I don't even know when I had. It was in January, it was in January. So I did all the rehab, I did everything. And then fall camp was approaching, so I had a decision to make. Mm -hmm. I was like, I can either do this or I can sign my papers to the NCAA right now and have a medical DQ. Cause I had a good enough reason. And it took me a while, you know, my mom, my, my whole entire family was so, so against me to stop playing. Cause they knew that it's what I want. I yeah, want to keep, I, I want to keep playing. And, you're you're and it's that my athlete dream. that was but, recruited. But you they wanted don't, to be that yeah, guy. They don't know what's going on, you know, inside of my head. They don't know how hard it is to bend down and put a sock on. <laughs> they don't understand how hard it is to sleep <laughs> some simple nights. things in life, right? Yeah, it, it really is. And so that was the thing. I had surgery and then that's whenever COVID hit. So I did a little bit of rehab at Clemson for about a few weeks to a month. And then I was sent home for, like I said, March all the way until June 1st. So my rehab schedule, I'm not as dedicated to my rehab schedule when I'm back home and have to go drive somewhere and go do it to where I'm here around the football environment and around it. Now, don't get me wrong, when I was home, I was doing everything I possibly could. I was still going to rehab. I was still doing everything uh, like I did for my first surgery because that's where I was. I went back to the same place. I was still working out. I was doing everything I possibly could. But were you pushing yourself? I was. I was pushing myself. And then it hit me. And I was like... When you say it hit you, was there a, was there a moment then? So that... I got... Yeah, I got back to Clemson and it hit me and I was like, I was like, I don't really think I want to keep doing this. Because I love working out. I love staying in shape. But I hated, hated feeling like I was never going to be able to get 100% healthy again. Because it was going on for about two years at that point, a year and a half. And I was like, I haven't stepped on the football field in so long. Like, I know my IQ hasn't gone anywhere, but everybody else is going like that. And I'm still right here. And that wasn't a problem for me because I knew I was like, okay, I, I, could, I can keep working hard and get back to where they are. But I don't know if I'm going to be able to get healthy enough for that. And long story short, I got back to Clemson. I was still doing rehab. I was still doing everything. And that's whenever somebody um, entered my life and made my decision for to stop playing much easier. And... It was just, I, I didn't want to, I knew if I stopped playing, I wasn't going to have anything. Like, I was going to have school, I was going to have my brains, and I was going to have the degree that I'm still working for. But I'm saying, in a sense, I came here to play football. So if I stop, like, I'm not working out with my friends anymore. I'm not waking up at five in the morning to go work out. I'm not eating lunch with them. I'm not traveling with them. So the reason I came to school here was to play football and get my education. So now one of those things is out of the window. So now the only thing I have to focus on is getting my education. And it's really hard to be in college by yourself. You know, I'm not, I'm not from around here. The only friends I have were on the team. And yeah, I mean, that was your community. Yeah, that was, was, that was what I was team. surrounded by every single day. Was there a sense of that was your identity as well? That you were a that, I mean, football player? Yeah, I mean, that, no matter where you go play football at in the country, if you're on a football team, you're going to be perceived and the stereotype is going to be held of that, you know, you're on the football team, especially when you're at a big school. And, or if you're on the basketball team, you're like, oh, that's one of the basketball players. If that person doesn't know your name, you'd be like, oh, that's one of the basketball players. That's one of the football players. 
you know, and that's just, that's just reality. And um, it wasn't my identity through my eyes, clearly, because I don't want to be perceived as a football player. I don't want to be perceived as just an athlete. You know, I want to be perceived as somebody who got their education and knows what they're doing with their life and wants to go pursue other things than just sports. What was it then that this person shared with you to make you come to that realization in terms of, I I guess, following your gut? Because your gut was telling you that you didn't want to play anymore. And did you have that mindset, that passion to continue? So what was it? So how are we getting into the juicy stuff? (laughs) But (laughs) so... um. I I knew the girl for a while. I met her in December. Then it went all the way back around till June, July when I got back. And we started dating in or together in July. And I was like, I stopped playing football pretty soon after like I, I posted it and did everything to let everybody know that I was done. I was already done, like in my head, mm-hmm. but I let everybody else know just so I can be for sure. Um because then now it's like official. Yeah, now it's now it's official. Yeah. Now it's official. And so let everybody else know. And all of my energy that was going towards football, all of my energy that was going towards everything was now focused on school and that person that was in my life. And because I still had the same drive, I still had the same energy, I still had the same competitive spirit. And that just drove me to her and school. Mm-hmm. And... This is what it is. And, that's, and so now that was your, your focal point. Yeah. So you yeah, my on. mind, my mind was much, much more at ease that I was done playing because I know now, like I have you had something else to focus yeah, I, on. I have something else to focus on. And that's what I want. It's not that I didn't, it's not that I just chose um, to be in a relationship because I wanted something else to focus on it single-handedly took my mind off of, dang, I don't have to worry about football to be happy. You know what I mean? Yeah. I didn't do that to be happy. That's what made me happy. And who was the first person you told some of your thoughts? Was that your mom? Like, that, like these thoughts? No, with the thoughts of, I don't think I want to play football anymore. Oh, probably my mom, probably. And obviously you had mentioned that Initially, it was, no, you know, let's hold yeah. on. We, this is something that you love. Yeah. Was there a moment like it's, she came, not came around, but it was, hey, this is your decision. Yeah. You know, and obviously we support you. Yeah. So just like my mom can see through me, I can see through my mom. And me and my mom have, you know, it's not like a normal mother-son relationship. It's like a really good friendship, you know? And because, I mean, that that's who I was... I was raised by her just my whole entire life, um, nobody else. And so it was only, it was just me and her constantly. So everything she knows about me, and I know everything about her. <laughs> and um, so she did say, it's your decision, you know, here and there. She would be like, it's your decision, you know, you do you do what's best. But she would throw it in there like, you know, I know you don't want to stop, like, don't stop. Because like this, you know, this is what you came for. This, this was your dream. Yeah, exactly. Which I understood. And there was a point in time where I was getting frustrated because I was like, I need, it, it wasn't just her, it was my whole entire family. I was like, I need for y'all to understand, like, I'm doing what's best for me, you know? Like, y'all wanted me to go to school here. I wanted to go to school here. We came together and that's what, you know, I decided on and y'all were okay with that. So now this is kind of like the same thing. Yeah, you just have but to understand now, the y'all are disagreeing point. with me. Mm-hmm. So we need to come. And so eventually, now they're perfectly fine. You know, because now they realize, uh, for example, my, my stepdad actually was outside playing basketball with my little brother and he tore his knee up, did something to his knee. So he had to get surgery. So now he understands oh, of course. what I was going through. He understands how hard it was, how, like how bad you feel to have somebody else taking care of you when you can't do anything. And uh, it's a really slow process. And so they understand now. Which is perfectly fine with me. Yeah, well, I, I knew said, it was going to take time. Of course, it just yeah. takes time. It's had to work through you know, understanding yes, sir. deep down because even them giving you the advice, oh, wait a second, keep pushing through. This is yeah. what you want. 
it's from a love perspective because they know who you are. Oh, it was straight from love. I yeah, know. from from that side of things. Now you'd mentioned it was just you and your mom. Did you ever know your dad? Yeah, I. So my dad was in my life from. I was a toddler at the time, so I don't remember those times. Mm-hmm. Right. Long story short, I don't know every single detail that's in between, but I did officially meet him whenever I was ten. So I didn't really know my dad until I was ten. So he lived with me from when I was ten to twelve, and trained me in basketball, did everything, and then just eventually, uh, I still decided we, to leave. No, it was my mom. Yeah. Miss problems with my like I said, I don't mm-hmm. know every detail, yeah, but just you know problems that every relationship has. Um, uh, but he ended up having to go, and he still lives in Louisiana. But I was still, I was still communicating with him. Like I would still see him. He would still come to all my games, from. Uh, all the way through high school, I was still cool with him, this, that, whatever. And then I got to college and I was like, okay, I don't think I'm going to be able to do this anymore. You know, like. What, you mean have a relationship yeah, with him? Yeah. Why was that? Just plenty of things that um, it's just too many. The only connection I had with him was my cell phone bill, right? That's what he would be paying for. And sometimes it wouldn't get paid. Sometimes it would, you know, and I, I just, I was, I was like, I can't pay for my own cell phone bill. And I didn't like I didn't really talk to him a lot. He had two more kids. He had just I mean, he's always, always kind of like he, he was my dad. So I'm not going to speak bad about him. Of course not. But there was a time where I had to realize that I don't want to be put into a place where I ever have to make a negative decision or say something negative to him or anything like that. I just wanted to be on my own because I was always with my mom. Yeah. And like I said, I, I have a stepdad now. My mom actually just got proposed to a few weeks ago. Oh, fantastic. And so, um, and he's been, he's been in my life since I was a freshman or sophomore in high school. Okay. And so, I mean, that's who it's been. It's been my mom, and then he came in, and that is actually going to be my brother's uh, dad now. So I love yeah. it. Well, we'll say congratulations, Mom. Thank you. Fantastic. Congrats, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah. When I understand just from a perspective of uh, there's if somebody's going to be in your life as a dad, they need to be in your life as a dad, yeah. as a father. And I, I truly understand that because I never knew my biological father. And so I, I understand a little bit of what you're talking about in terms of uh, there's pictures of me as a toddler with him and he's holding me up and you can just see the love and the laughter and all of that, but then he left. Yeah. And so I've always had this now empty feeling of there's this void abandonment. What did I do so wrong? Right. You know, from, from that perspective. And it's tough to, it makes a difference. It does. Like a lot of people um, don't understand that, you know, a lot of people are like, Oh, you, you know, you just use the excuse of, I don't use it as an excuse ever that I didn't have a father figure in my mm-hmm. life because I never did, but I never use that as an excuse. But deep down inside, like it makes a difference. It does make a difference. It really, it really, really makes Do a difference. Do you feel that there's any voids from you? I mean, have you? I've never uh, felt you, abandoned or anything like okay. that because I've always, I've always just been, I don't know. It's, it's so hard to explain, but I've always just known I've had myself. So I've never really worried about if somebody was going to be in my life or not at the moment whenever I was that young I was like dang you know like what are the reasons Mm -hmm. and as I grew older I was like you know it kind of is what it is at this point because I always had my mom so yeah well obviously your mom did an amazing job to be able to raise you and I mean you're a respectful young man and I mean I know earlier <laughs> you heard her on the yes. phone. <laughs> on the phone, she was making sure that's our relationship. She's accused, right? She 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 will joke about it all the time because she knows that she knows I can um she knows I can I can be mean to people and she knows I can be really really nice to people, you know and and um I've always been yeah no I can't see you being mean to people <laughs> I'm not I'm not mean I'm not mean I um sometimes I'm just too honest. That's just that's just what it is. I, I would never like I would never be blatantly rude to yeah, somebody for, for, for absolutely no reason. Um, but sometimes I can just see through. Are you saying you don't have a filter at times? No, I have a filter, but I definitely <laughs> I can I can see through 
a lot of, like, I can see people's intentions very well, especially in college. You can, it's really easy to read people. So I can, easy to tell if somebody's being fake with you and easy to tell if somebody's being real with you. And uh, I don't really take people being fake. You don't have time for that. Nah, not at all. Not at all. And then going back to your childhood, though, in terms of those memories of you wanting to play in the NFL, I mean, do you remember, I mean, like why you fell in love with sports initially? Um, so my best friend uh, by the name of Brandon Bourgeois, shout out, my boy. <laughs> there you go. Um, he's actually coming up here next Monday to come visit me. He's been my best friend since I was in third grade. He was in fourth grade. And his dad actually passed away from a blood clot in his sleep. Mm. So after that, me and him became just like that. You know, we've always had each other because we've only – from since a young age, we only it was just me, him, and both of our moms. Yeah, of course. And that's just what it was. We always hung out, but me and him were the real reason that we kind of played. Like we played sports before we met each other, but after we met each other at that young age, it was all uphill. We played on the same team. He's older than I am, so we played on the same teams. Sometimes I would play up and play in his age group. Um, we would be in the backyard with helmets and shoulder pads, with no jersey on the shoulder pads. And I was so I was so fat. He would just outrun me. I would just run him over. It was just we we pushed each other to be the best that we could. And uh, we ended up going to two different middle schools, two different high schools. But we were always, always just together in a sense. And um, he ended up playing basketball and uh, going to a community college for a little bit to try to keep playing. And he ended up getting hurt. And uh, he still trains, uh, plays basketball. But me and him stayed on top of each other to. Um, for sports, for yeah, sure. Yeah, keep pushing it. Now, you, you said you were fat. How in the world <laughs> were you fat? Were you, are you talking about you were just a chubby kid? Mm. Or because right now, man, you look lean and mean. Yeah, I was in the 99 percentile for everything. <laughs> uh, probably I was until about two years ago, if that. In, what grade was I in? Sixth grade, I was 144.6. I'll never forget it. Because the uh, the weight limit was 145 to run the ball. They wanted me to run the ball. I was 144.6. I sh- stripped down all the way to my girdle. Didn't even eat breakfast the morning away in. It's 144.6 in sixth grade. And the next two years, I put on 50 pounds. I was 200 pounds in eighth grade. Good grief. Yeah, I played center and left guard. Hey, you were yeah. a big boy. Yeah, I was too high. I was about 5'11". And I was a solid 200, just bad built, nasty. I hated it. I was so self-conscious. So, so, I hated it. Wouldn't even take off my shirt going to the beach. I have pictures from like 2000 and probably 15, 16. Like I still have my shirt on at the beach. I I hated it. And uh, I didn't play linebacker until I had a growth spurt going into high school. Slimmed out a little bit, but still had like my baby fat and stuff. You know, no, no, no muscle yet. Then I didn't play linebacker until I got to high school. And then I started my sophomore year. I played linebacker one year. My freshman year, I was behind Dylan Moses. And uh, a guy, Larry on, he ended up going. He committed to Missouri, but then he ended up going to uh, Nickel State. So I was behind both of them. And then I ended up starting my sophomore year. And I was still really kind of just didn't look good. Well, then what was, what was the tipping point where you're like, all right, I'm – I'm changing things. I don't know because I, I I would always work out, but the thing is I wasn't eating right. It's that, all nutrition. That's, that, that's really all it is. You know, at a young age, you all you always think it's working out, working out, working out, working out. Eat as many calories as you can, and that's what I thought it was too. Before football practice, I would have five guys raising canes, Panda Express. <laughs> no, it was yeah, bad. that's it was, not nutrition. It was that's bad. Junk. It was bad, and um, I look back on it and I'm like, wow, I don't know how I would eat that and then go be able to function out of practice. That's how big I was. So then I ended up getting to Clemson, and I got to Clem. I would I would be playing basketball at about two fifteen, kind of, because after football season I would lose a little bit of weight. And then I ended up getting to Clemson, and I was two I was two twenty eight point six. So I was two thirty, and I was the heaviest I've ever been in my life for the big weigh in. I was two twenty eight point six. Neck was huge. Face is all chunky. Just it it wasn't good, and um, so then I ended up going through everything that we just talked about, mm-hmm. all the surgeries, all the everything. Surgeries. And after after the third um, 
because my mom would be bringing me burgers and canes and everything as I would be sitting in bed at home. And I'm like, I can't do, I can't do this. I'm not running, I'm not lifting, I'm not doing anything. And so after that third surgery, after the second one actually, no, it was after the third one, I was home for quarantine. And I was like, it's time to, I was like, if I, if, if I don't really know if I'm gonna be playing again or not, like you gotta, you gotta get your body right. And so I was working for a pool company. I was working outside, uh, picking up concrete, cleaning pools, sweating all day long. Then I would go work out outside later that day. And it was just, and it was mainly just eating right after I did all of that. Mm-hmm. And I proved that. So now, now as of today, that's, that's all I do is just eat right every, every day. Well, I, I still work out, but. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's amazing. You know, I'm so much older than you. I'm a product of growing up in the 70s and 80s. And obviously, fitness wasn't as big of a focal point back then, especially in terms of the nutrition side of things. Right. Obviously, people would work out and they were, you know, weightlifting and all yeah. of that. But it was the nutrition that is amazing, the difference now, how important it is. Yeah. Everybody knows how important yeah. it is from that perspective. You can work out all day long, but if you're refueling your body with, with junk, and I, I probably shouldn't say junk, disparaging five guys and raising canes. Oh, but, you know, but, but no, I know but what you, you mean. know what I'm saying. If you're not that, fueling, fueling your body correctly, yes, you're not exactly. Get it's 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 not. You're just uh, spinning your wheels. Yeah. Now, as we're wrapping up here, I, I do think it's still interesting that you've had this mindset of what you've said a couple of times: a 40-year decision. And even at your age, being able to have that type of mindset to look into the future and the importance of decisions you make now will impact yeah. your future or can impact your future. Yeah. Is, is that, how do you, is that just something that's in your DNA that you, you've always kind of had that to be able to look at the bigger picture thing rather than just here and now? No, I was always focused on the now, focused on what am I gonna be doing tomorrow, uh, worrying about yesterday or doing something. But just to put it into perspective, the reason I started focusing on the 40 years was because my grandfather, for the most part, he invented the lock to the wheelchair that keeps it in place in a car, like a moving vehicle, and um, he, invented that in the, um, I think it was somewhere in the 90s. But, you know, made made a, a good living, like a really good living. And now I look back and I see all the bad decisions he made. If he would have been focused on the 40 years, me, like, he wouldn't have anything to be worried about right now, you know? And, but I look at that and I look at my mom and cause she, she also, she runs the business now and so does her brother. So I look at them and I'm like, you know, they wouldn't be in this situation if my grandpa focused on the 40 years. You know, my grandpa lives in my neighborhood. We have a house for him and somebody takes care of him. And great guy just sometimes made bad decisions that weren't best for 40 years down the road. Exactly. And maybe not just for you, but the people behind you and or for your wife or for your kids. And so I want to be able to focus on like, I mean, it, it's hard sometimes. Like, like I said, I, I don't really go out or do much. Like I've changed a lot from the first semester that I got to college until now. But yeah, everybody wants to have fun in college, but I can have fun whenever I made it and I did something. I don't want to have fun here whenever I know when I'm in college, I can be doing something right now to be making money and getting my life on track. And it, it's different because like, I don't, I don't want money just to say I have money. I want money so I can be financially free, especially in the world that we live in now. Like, I, I don't want to have to worry about, um, I guess, my kids, for example. I don't know what's coming for my kids, mm-hmm. and I probably won't have kids for another, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you need, to, you need to take your time. <laughs> I know. But, um, but no, like, I, I, I want to be able to look out for myself and my family and the people that will be coming behind me. And I have a little brother, for example. I don't know what, what might ever happen to my brother. And so I want to be able to look out for people because I know that I was looked out for whenever I was younger by my family. 
financially and support wise and it helped a lot and so i want to be able to do that for my family and the people coming behind me and that's just the main reason yeah well a lot of people your age don't have that same type of mindset uh it, it is obviously just in the here and just focusing on you know, the day itself. Yeah. Uh, and there's an aspect, there's a balance, though, that you still need to enjoy yeah, yeah, yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And absolutely. you're a college student, uh, you know, so still enjoy that time, even during yeah. crazy period like we've been in. Yeah, I'll pick a few days to go hang out with my friends or go downtown or do something, but it's never... Um, it's never a, a part of my schedule, let me say that. Have you thought then, I mean, is there an aspect of what's driving you for that future, like what you want to do? Um, the main thing that's driving me is me in 10 years. Like, Yeah, but what would that be? What would, what that's do you, what I'm saying. Yeah, I, what do you see yourself I doing? I don't know what the next 10 years holds because whenever I leave college, I don't want to take just – a normal job. I don't want to take a, a nine to five sitting at a desk. Like, yeah, you don't seem like a guy that's going to be boxed in. Yeah. I, I do want to take the entrepreneur route and see what options I can pursue. And I'm going to fail. I'm going to lose money. I already know it's Are you okay with that? I already know it's coming. I might not be okay with it, but at least I already know it's coming. So I can prepare myself for that moment. So I know how to react because there hasn't been one one, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't want to say millionaire, billionaire, or just one successful person that hasn't failed. They've never came up with one thing and it's just taken off for the rest of their life. You've had things that have failed. No matter if you want to admit That's how it. you learn. You exactly. learn through failure. No matter if you want to admit it or not, if you want to act like you're perfect, you can. And act like you had one thing that helped you for the rest of your life, okay, but I know I'm going to fail. I know I'm going to get fired from a job. <laughs> I know I might not go. I'm, I know I might not even find this job interesting, but I need to go learn about it, mm -hmm. do something. Um, but I, I know it's coming. So I'm, I'm going to take the entrepreneur route and just give it all I got. When we first met, I met you at a Paul Journey uh, event, and mm -hmm. I, I knew that there was something a little bit different and that you seemed to have that type of, mindset, you know, even from an entrepreneurial standpoint, but just looking, you know, at the bigger picture in, into the future. And so it's just interesting to, to hear of kind of how that happened. And has there also been any type of words of wisdom that I, I'm big believer on? And it could just be phrases, you know, some quote or a motto or just somebody giving you life advice that helps you at times have a little bit of clarity in, in certain aspects of where you are in life. Has there been any type of words of wisdom? And obviously Dabo Sweeney, he throws out all types oh. of <laughs> phrases and quotes, any right? Number, letter, <laughs> sentence. He comes up with anything, it's, right? You know, it, it's impressive. Yes. It's it really, really impressive. Is. All props to him. Yeah. But is there from your perspective, is there anything that you've leaned on? Right. So you know back in twenty thirteen everybody said YOLO, you only live once, mm -hmm. right? And I I still live by that. But I interpret that in a completely different way. Everybody said, you only live once, so go, go, go do this, go do that. You know what I'm saying? Don't care about this, don't care about that. But no, like you only live once, so like you got to make this count. Like you got to do what, it might not be the best for you in that moment, but it's going to be the best for you for the next 20, 30 years. And, you're, you know, some people are 16, 17, 18, and they don't know what to do with their life. They're in high school, they don't know. They might not be on scholarship going to college. They might be in debt coming out of college. And that's okay. But you have to know that you do only live once. So you have to make it count. Like you're on this planet for a reason. God put us all here for one reason. And it's to serve him and to do everything we can to let other people know about him. And of course, I understand you're not going to wake up every single day and go read the Bible to your neighbor. I understand you're not going to wake up every day and you might not go start a missionary. You might not go on mission trips. You might not go do that. But that's the reason that we're here. And as you're here, you need to do something with your life as well. God doesn't want you just to sit in your house all day. You know, he doesn't want you to go live life on the edge and 
yeah, take risk, you know, whenever it comes to businesses and doing it, don't go doing backflips off a bridge, you know, like I don't, I don't really understand a lot of the, those things because people say you only live once, but they're putting it at risk. So it's living with a purpose. Yeah. Right. You, you really, you really need to find your purpose and just go for it. Yeah. And is faith a big part of your life? Yeah. Faith. I, um, so I was actually, I got baptized again. I was baptized Catholic whenever I was young. I went to a Catholic school for elementary and then I was baptized non-denominational as I was in high school because my relationship with God was just much better than me going to a church service and sitting there and, and I guess not being told what to do. And I, I love going to church. Let's get like back home. We have a, a church uh, named Healing Place and it's a non-denominational church. And that's where I was baptized at. And most of the people in there are probably Baptist and non-denominational. And, and I love it. And I love the feeling that I can have a better relationship with God and knowing myself and knowing who he is and knowing how he can affect my life and knowing that he's going to say no, knowing that he's going to say yes and knowing that it's on his timing and not mine. And I've just had a better relationship with God than, I guess, knowing that, oh, I'm going to wake up and go to church. Yeah, because it, it is all about a relationship, yeah. not a religion. In that terms that, that of is what I believe. The, yes, I believe 100% as well. And but were there times where you ever questioning God, angry with God, based on your three times. Yeah, so... The ACL tears. I was never, I was never angry with God at all. Like, I, I, would, I would sit there and I'd be like, I, I, it's so bad to say, but like, I would laugh. <laughs> like, it was, it's so bad to say, but I would be like, I'd be like, really? Like, again? You know, like, but I, I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world because now I see where I'm at. And I see where I'm at mentally. And I would not, um, my, my health wouldn't be where it is right now if I didn't stop playing football. My mindset wouldn't be where it is. Just everything that I wasn't, I am now because of what I went through. And, I and that it. was the path that God yeah. put you on. Exactly. Well, and he also put us on the path of meeting and writing. I can't thank you enough. I've enjoyed it. Anytime. Appreciate it. Of course. Life moves so fast that it's easy to get caught up in the here and now and not even think about how your decisions today will impact your future. But for Brighton, having that perspective to think long-term has obviously helped him navigate through his own setbacks. But having a long-term vision not only will help us deal with setbacks and failures in our life, but it might just help us avoid some as well. Now that finishes episode 152, and you can also watch some of our episodes by visiting our Rich Take on Sports YouTube channel. And remember, focus forward so we don't live in the past. All the best, everyone. You've been listening to Rich Take on Sports, the sports podcast with life. Visit richtakeonsports.com to subscribe and catch up on any episodes you might have missed. You can also follow us on Twitter at Rich Takes Sports. Thanks for listening.